You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive recap series on the TV show Third Watch. We're in the first season, still the 19th episode, entitled Spring Forward Fallback, aired on the 24th of April 2000. It was directed by Christopher Chalak. Chalak? and written by John Wells, two of the two big key players, of course, in the history of this television program. Uh, My name is Ben, and stop bitching and keep digging. Hello, and my name is Branding, and Ben, I went by your apartment this morning. You weren't there. (laughs) I went there at 2 o'clock at 8 o'clock, and I waited six hours. You're, you're a little bit um, obsessed, I feel, Brandy. Um, I mean, cool. No, it's not a proud moment of mine. <laughs> no, I, I would say not, but um, I, I admire your commitment. Um, I would have given up after about four, but um, you know, you went the extra miles and went to six. So, um, yeah, good for you. Um, but, yeah, we, <laughs> 19th episode, we're into the final uh, four episodes, basically, of this season now. But... Uh, Another interesting episode, I, I feel, uh, sort of a continuous storyline in terms of one episode kind of takes up one storyline and involves a lot of the characters, um, and we see a different side to our favourite biggish cop, Sally. I was about to say something mean there, but I don't want to say something mean. Uh, so yeah, this is, a, this, is a, this is another pretty decent episode. It is. I'm actually, I gotta say, this is actually one of my favorite hilarious episodes so i'm excited to get into it <laughs> well i'm gonna be interested to see what um yeah bits you you particularly like but uh, we're gonna start off straight away we've got no tonight on third watch we've just got a previously which is great we've got no um uh um tonight on third watch which is fucking amazing um so we start off with carlos in school he's um finishing his class obviously you know this is a storyline of carlos he's uh trying to become a doctor whilst also being a paramedic and uh he's not too happy with the grade he got in a paper so he tries to uh chat spanish with his uh latino uh teacher and basically uh you know trying to talk his way up outside of to a different grade and i love the way like the teacher's like oh what you think so i'm latino you're latino we can cut you a break um and he basically says well look you're great your lab notes were slappy a uh, sloppy slappy um and you want better grades do better work um, look, does this ever work? Some a student going up to his teacher complaining about a grade. Like, I mean, I think I can only remember one time I got a bad grade on something I did, which I thought was unwarranted. Um, and I maybe sort of, I slightly asked a question. I didn't try to change. I'm just like, well, can you explain why I got such a low mark? I felt that this was everything was addressed in it, and they sort of explained it to me. And I wasn't going to argue because, I mean, what, I'm not going to change their mind. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you were sort of one of those people who was like, oh, I didn't deserve a C. No, I actually, I was, I was kind of a bad person in high school. I skipped a lot. Um, so the grades I got, I deserved them. <laughs> but I never, but when I did go to college and I worked hard, most of the grades, I kind of did wonder, like, if it was like a C, why I got a C, but I never argued for it. I just did, went harder on my next assignment. So it's interesting. And I like how Carlos, the teacher was like, so just because I'm Latino and you're Latino, I'm supposed to just help you out? And Carlos is like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very Carlos thing to do, though, isn't it? Like, you know, you, you would expect Carlos to do that out of everybody, so for sure. Uh, we get this great scene of Bosco and Nicole in bed with each other, just, you know, pouring champagne over Bosco's body. We've got this cat that's just there and... It's just, you know, Bosco and Nicole never getting out of bed as Nicole goes down on Bosco. And, you know, we always need a bit of oral sex, apparently, to begin an episode of Third Watch. But I just love the bit where they cut away to the cat and the way the cat's just laying there wagging its tail. I don't know why I like this scene so much. Uh, shirtless Jason Wiles? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's not it. I just like the cat. <laughs> Me too. It was, it was different. I liked it. The cat's just laying there like... Yawn. Like, I don't know, it's just cute. That cat's me. That cat is me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to kind of show that obviously Nicole and Bosco are still together. And I mean, that's obviously a recurring theme, isn't it, in this episode where, you know, uh, Yokus is laughing. Like, you're not in a relationship, you just have sex all the time. And basically, Bosco at one point in this episode is like, well, you know, 
just like to talk every now and then. So I know he's already mentioned that in another episode, but uh, we'll get back to them. Um, we then have Doc back in his uh, dad's apartment. Obviously, his dad sadly died at the end of the last episode. And he's going through his father's desk, finds out he's got, what, $68,000 in a pension and... We basically find a little bit about um, this apartment and sort of New York rent. Um, I love the way that um, Doc says to Morales, like, oh, you've only been in New York for three months and you're already thinking about thinking like a New Yorker. Um, and then basically we get Morales dropping the hint that maybe we could go into this together. Maybe we could live in this apartment together. Doc just kind of doesn't react and Morales kind of just goes, forget about it, and walks out. Um so that was, yeah, that's setting up a little bit for Doc and Morales. And then we kind of get to this accident scene with, uh, first of all, Kim complaining about daylight savings. That's where we get the name of this episode. We talked about last episode how uh, we were questioning why it was called Men. We kind of get the throwaway quote here uh, where Kim's complaining about uh, hates daylight savings, it throws everything off, and then Bobby says, spring forward, fall back. Which, I mean, I'm guessing that's a, is that a fairly well-known saying in the U.S.? Because we don't say that here. Not until I'm not entirely sure. I've heard it before, but I don't think I've heard it like. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's not something I haven't heard, but it makes sense to me because you guys call autumn fall, whereas we just call autumn. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it would make sense to me to to have that. But um, it kind yeah. of we get this whole interesting sequence about doing taxes and Kim doing this and Bobby basically, you know, saying how easy it is and Kim, oh, you want to help me do my taxes? Again, it's very interesting, but um, sure. Um, but then we kind of, we're at this accident scene, there's uh, been a family involved in a car accident, uh, we've got a young girl crying, and uh, there's getting help in the front seat, and we find out that uh, there's a baby seat in the back, and there's a missing child, Molly, this young girl's baby sister, uh, this girl's called Sammy, uh, and her baby sister is missing, and this is kind of going to be the plot line of this whole episode, they're trying to find this young two and a half year old girl called Molly, who for some reason has run away from this accident, now, uh, I spoke at the end of last episode, Brandy, about two very well-known faces being in this episode who've gone on to basically become A-list actors. Did you recognise this young girl with the blood on her face crying about her baby sister, Molly? I did not. Um... Did you ever watch Glee? No. Okay, well, there you go. That's why you probably didn't notice who she was. Uh, that's, that's, that's Leah Michelle, who obviously uh, played Rachel in Glee, basically the star of Glee. And I mean, Wait, since, okay, okay. I've seen her in one of my favorite movies. I didn't know that was her. Well, there you go. You do now. Um, it, that is Leah Michelle, ladies and gentlemen. If, you were, if you're playing at home, you didn't know. Maybe you thought, oh, she looks familiar. Uh, but yeah, that is who that is. And uh, of course, yeah, Glee, most well-known. She's been in that. Was she in like Valentine's Day or New Year's Day or... Yeah, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, that's the one. Um, but she's released albums and yeah, I mean, she's a very well-known person now, but... Uh, that's who it is. That's number one on this list in terms of who's in this episode of very famous people. So, uh, yeah, just, just I, in case you didn't know, now you do. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that, was, that was pretty cool. I, I missed her whole Glee moment, so that's pretty cool. I, I love New Year's. I love the, the saga of, like, New Year's and Christmas. And, no, the I, I haven't quite seen that, but, uh, yeah, I obviously know her quite well from Glee, so... There you yeah. go. Leah Michelle, a very young Leah Michelle. I, I wouldn't know how old she would be in this. Um, I'm going to probably say uh, four, oh, 14 years old she was in this episode. So there you go. So 14-year-old Leah Michelle starting off very young. And we've talked a little bit about here on Third Watch that while some of the main stars on the show really haven't done a whole lot in their lives since, um, we do get a lot of sort of appearances by people who go on to big things, you know. Uh, and this episode has two of them in it. So we'll get to the other ones soon. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I-, I could imagine for you, Brandy, this episode might hit a little bit close to home with the whole sort of missing child thing as a mother yourself. I mean, I can't imagine that you can't sort of, you know, get a bit worked up at some of the emotional elements of this episode. Yes, yes. I mean, just for like a quick one snippet was like, my kid, he, I'm a single mom, he sleeps with me. And he's been doing that since he was a baby. I remember one night in our first apartment, I woke up and he was not by my side. I yelled his name so loud because I was so scared. I go in my living room and he fell asleep on the sofa watching his favorite movie. <laughs> but I mean, just that moment is just so scary when you don't, you're not, your kid's not there. And you're so used to being there. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely a, definitely a touching episode. For sure. Well, we'll get to obviously a little bit of that soon. Uh, we get some Davis and Sully in the car. 
And I do like this little sequence here with Davis, and he's like talking about online dating. I mean, it kind of dates this episode a little bit. Um, obviously, this is the year 2000 where online dating was not really a huge thing. And basically, Davis talking about how, like, oh, everybody, you know, online dating now. And I do love the fact that he says you put an ad on a website, you get 100 emails the next day. Uh, Davis, hook me up onto that website because I've never been to one of those. Uh, so I don't know what I mean. It's different in the year 2000. I love Davis going through this question here. Perfect woman, 50s, 30s. He's like, what kind of sex do you like? None of your business. <laughs> you like a kinky? You like a kinky. <laughs> I was going to use it as a. I was going to use it as an opening quote. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know if the listeners would kind of take that wrong if I ask you like, what kind of sex do you like, babe? <laughs> Maybe I'd answer it too. So you probably that's a dangerous one to ask me, uh, Brandy. <laughs> but uh, I do like it. Then we we kind of um, I like what you said. What do you got to lose? My dignity. I mean, again, like. <laughs> My, you know, former relationship of mine, uh, we met in a chat room online. And when we first uh, were together and we would tell people where we met, that was still at a time when it was also, this was like 2008, and that was still considered a little bit, not taboo, but like people didn't accept it that much even then. So you'd say, oh, we met in a chat room. Oh, like they'd always have that reaction. It's kind of like, well, guys, it's no different. Whereas now, 2017, like for fuck's sake, I mean, who doesn't meet on the internet? You know, it's almost like, oh, you met in a bar. Oh, that's a bit, you didn't meet on Tinder. Like it's kind of, it's kind of how it rolls. So uh, (laughs) the year 2000, internet dating, not really a thing. No, no, I, um, internet, Tinder, I've never been on it date like that in a chat room i i mean no nothing wrong with it i just i don't know i should try it (laughs) yeah be prepared for some um yeah anyway that's all other (laughs) not necessarily catfishing it's just um yeah i don't know different experiences for guys and girls i feel uh but uh yeah, anyway, so uh, this whole, we kind of get this set up of what's going to be the Sully and David storyline. They go to a church, and uh, we find out this is Sully's old parish. He used to go to this church. There's been a robbery. We meet, uh, of course, uh, Father Goodwin, who doesn't want to report the fact that uh, the chalice has been stolen, but uh, the lady there in the church does. Um, and he's basically saying, look, I know where it is. There's a guy who works for it. Um, you know, he's taken it. He borrowed it for a while. Uh, and obviously, you know, he wants to sort this out himself because he's a very good-natured uh, priest, essentially. I do like the line when he walks out there. It's like, we miss your voice in the choir, John. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I moved. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I love Davis. You moved? Shut up. You moved? Shut up. Was, did I miss a housewarming party? Davis, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That's another quote I wanted to use, like the housewarming scene. Like as soon as uh, John Pastor Priest John, Pastor John, or however you say it, he as soon as he was like, "We miss your voice in the crowd." I was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a funny episode because yeah. <laughs> if it's not gonna let it go, you just know it." <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just funny little throwaway line. And speaking of funny, we get another great little Bosco and Yoko scene with uh, Bosco with a hickey on his neck. Uh, what is this? Junior high school. And this is like when Yoka says, like, you're not in a relationship, your dog's in heat. And then we kind of get there and we're like, oh, you know, she met your mother yet. There's no, um, there's no answer there. Can I just point out, I can't wait till we meet Bosco's mum. Bosco's mum is awesome. As you can imagine, anybody who mothers Bosco is going to be awesome. But she's one of the uh, ongoing recurring characters that the actress actually remains the same, which is, it's hard to to um, notice it because I think it's Patty de, de Ab- Abenville. I, can't, I never pronounce her last name. But um, her hair seems to change every season she's on. So I used to always think that they use a different actress every time for Bosco's mum. But it's not. It's the same actress in all of the seasons when we eventually do meet Bosco's mum. So get excited for Bosco's mum. I think she's not too far away from memory because I do know there is a scene with her and Nicole uh, in this season. Um, but anyway, we now meet, uh, they're driving along and they see a guy in a wheelchair. It's Kenny, uh, Kenny Shepard, and he's selling drugs. Basically, he's outside of junior high school. Uh, Yokus and Bosco tell him to empty his pockets, because uh, he's got a little bit of grass. He's obviously just come out of jail, um, and essentially, um, he says to them, look, I know where I'm buying this from. Some rich kids are also dealing meth. Uh, you know, I can show you where it is if you let me walk. And I do love Bosco's line, so to speak. Um, now, he's, he's our second one for the episode. Uh, Brandy, did you recognize the man in the wheelchair? Somewhat, but I can't place it. His name, of course, is Will Arnett, who, uh, who's basically, 
I mean, he's he's in everything, really. Blades of Glory, he was in Men in Black 3. I mean, he's just been in so many things. He's just kind of one of these, sort of like a Will Ferrell-style comedian who just kind of appears in so many different things. Arrested Development, I think he's probably most well-known for. Um, <gasps> so people were just screaming at me, going, Ben, Arrested Development. Um, but he's also uh, the voice of Lego Batman, for those who like the Lego movie and Lego Batman. I mean, seriously, he's just one of these people who has been in everything that you just say his name, Will Arnett, and you know who I'm talking about. So that is Will Arnett. There you go. Wow, I know his name, and I just literally started watching Arrested Development last mm-hmm. month, like maybe on a third episode, but that's where I place it. I don't know. I don't watch any other show or movie you just said. 30 Batman- Rock. He was uh, Devin Banks in 30 Rock. I'm a big 30 Rock fan. Um, yeah, the movie Blades of Glory, uh, among many other sort of movies. It is. And he actually has been in lots of sort of those Will Ferrell style of movies. Uh, he was in semi-pro with Will Ferrell. I think him and Will Ferrell are actually good friends. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's done a lot of voice work, Monsters vs. Aliens, as I mentioned. He's been in video games. I mean, I'm scrolling through his um, filmography. He literally has been in basically everything. Um, so, yeah, that is Will Arnett, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a, a very young-looking Will Arnett in Third Watch. And I'm just scrolling go right back here. One of his very first appearances, he's, uh, he was in an episode of Sex and the City uh, a year before. Uh, and he was also on a show called The Mike O'Malley Show, but only his third ever appearance in a TV show was this role. So there you go. Interesting. Mm. I um, feel like I was living under a rock. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I just, like I said, I placed his face somewhere. I just didn't know. But, I mean, that's interesting to see. Like, I'm going to have to pay more attention to certain movies I watch, like Will Ferrell's movies. I watch a lot of his. Not recently, though. But, yeah. Well, so. who would have thought you'd be watching an episode of Third Watch and both Will Arnett and Leah Michelle would be in the same episode together. So, Great. there you go. Uh, we're back to the accident scene. Uh, and I do love Sully with Leah Michelle. You know, does does she know her address or phone number in the way Kim snaps at Sully? Sully, she's two. <laughs> like, <laughs> sassy Kim, I've written here. Um, we kind of get, um, random Jimmy in this episode. This is just, we're back to random Jimmy, um, because here he is at the accident scene just basically complaining about, oh, this is the third call we've gotten today in in three hours. Could be the record for worst day ever. Um... Can I just point out, all Jimmy does in this episode is show up to this scene and get stoned a little bit later on in this episode, which we'll get to. Um... But uh, we, we cut back to Bosco and Yokus, who are with uh, dear old Kenny slash Will Arnett, who's uh, in the back of their car, crunching down. Uh, <laughs> and they're outside this house, basically, um, waiting to find these kids in the drugs. I do like uh, Yokus' line, Who would have thought? Kids on drugs, huh? Like, turns back to Kenny. And then I do love Kenny's line, What's that on your neck? <laughs> like, again, we, <laughs> we get another little great little line there with the old uh, hickey on the neck. Um, there we kind of get to Carlos. It's kind of interesting with Carlos and Doc this episode because we get this conflict with Carlos and Doc. It's kind of, I mean, it's there. It's like, as I mentioned last episode, it's kind of, we've got such a good uh, rapport between these two recently. And then we're straight back to them hating each other. Because Carlos is basically complaining, look, I need more study time. And Doc's like, well, you always study. It's like, well, yes, I need more study time. (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden we meet Vanjie again. Remember her? Um, waiting at his apartment for six hours, um, and we find out that Vanjie's pregnant. <gasps> da, da, da. Um, I love Carlos's reaction though. How pregnant? You sure it's mine? To which we get this barrage of insults from Vanjie. You know, fuck you. You think I'm a slut? And of course, every time she says fuck. The ambulance, like, beeped. I love it when TV shows do that. Like, a network show needs a character to say, like, the F word. So they, like, beep it out themselves. It's so <laughs> clever. Um, I, I didn't know you could get away with saying slut on network television in 2000, but obviously you could. Um, but, like, I'm not... I'm not. Carlos is a dick here. There's no denying Carlos is a dick oh. in his reaction. I'm not going to defend Carlos completely, but, like... Okay. I've got, to, I've got to put this out there, and I'm sorry if this makes me sound like a bit of a sexist, but, like, him to say, are you sure it's mine? I think it's a fairly reasonable thing. He's, I don't think he's necessarily implying she's a slut. It's just, I mean, they weren't exclusive. They were just fooling around a little bit, 
I mean, if Carlos might be sleeping with other people, how does he know that she's... I mean, he probably should have delivered his question a little bit better, not said it the way he did. But, I mean, from a male's perspective, I've got to say, I'm kind of with Carlos here. It's like, well, are you sure it's mine? Were you seeing anyone else at the time? Can I say I'm with Carlos as well? And oh, there we go. I thought I was going to get shot down there. Oh, girl power on me, Brandy. Good job. I promise you, Mom. I, I, okay, there's cert- you can't just place every... It's not every... Not every scenario of, like, is it mine is the same. In Carlos's perspective, in this relationship, I felt like, yeah, he had every right. I mean, come on, Van, she's kind of this crazy chick not to be, like, I mean. Well, she waited outside his apartment for six, for hours, six hours, people. Hours. I mean, who and, like, does that? Remember, like, we went, we covered her a couple of episodes ago when she was following like, on every phone, like, every call because she had a scanner. Yeah. I mean, so, Carlos, I don't think they, because Carlos, didn't he end it at one point? Like, I have to stop, like, end it a little bit, and then. She's well, we pregnant. only got a bit of a. The only thing I feel we got was that was um when what did, one of the episode after or so that Doc said like oh so are you did you see Vanjie last night oh I didn't show up and it's like oh yeah you know and did you tell Vanjie oh no she'll be fine and what Doc was like oh I'm sure she'll see it that way or something like that so we yeah. we kind of that's the only last little bit we got from the whole Carlos Vanjie situation. I'm with Carlos in this moment. In this moment, I'm with Carlos. I mean, does he? I mean, I agree with Doc later on on how he handles it, but I agree with him having the right to ask this question and be like, is it? Is it mine? Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, again, the delivery could have been a little bit better. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, obviously we're going to visit. And, like, let's we, we've teased a little bit, I think, on the whole Carlos, Fangi pregnancy bit. This does become a bit of an ongoing you know, without spoiling it too much. But, I mean, this isn't going to be uh, a complete throwaway in terms of a pregnancy. This does come into play a fair bit. And, actually, I will say, sets up a lot with Carlos over the coming seasons. So, just uh, just stay tuned with that. Um, but we then go back to the stakeout, I guess, with Bosco, Yokus and Kenny. Um, we see some kids leaving the house. Um, I love it when uh, Kenny, when they're like, what are you doing slashing down there? Oh, I'm hiding so they don't see me. He's like, your wheelchair's sticking up. Um, but, uh, Bosco gets out of the car and he, what does he yell out? Like, Hey, J crew, police. Um, they run away. Bosco stops. Like I've never seen Bosco just give up so quickly. I know they're obviously running off pretty quickly. And cause he, what does he basically say? Like they started running before even, you know, I got out of the car. Um, and then Kenny's like banging in the window, like, Hey officers, Hey officers. Uh, and then what does Bosco say? Like, if you don't shut up, I'll snap your vertebrae a couple of bits higher or something like that. Just. Dick Bosco, uh, but then he says, "Hey, obviously we see smoke coming from the building." I love Yoko's line. Oh, that can't be good. And then, boom, it explodes. <laughs> um, it's. I, I mean, look, I this storyline to me, I don't dislike this storyline. It just feels like it doesn't fit in this episode. It just, it just kind of feels tacked on. Like, what do we get from this whole storyline? Because I mean, you think about this explosion. I mean, generally you have a big explosion. They've blown a bit of budget on this explosion for this episode of Third Watch. But the, the main plot line of this story is searching for this little girl. So, I mean, we get no closure from this explosion, oh. this drug scene, do we? We only kind of get a little bit of Kenny at the end, which I'm going to have some words to say about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just feel this is a bit tacked on and this, this feels out of place in this episode. I will say I look forward to your words at the end. And um, I know I, it is kind of just put there but i like the big boom i oh, yeah. i think that's good i don't think that's good i don't like like how he's like i don't think that's good and then boom i other than that i mean again this is i think it was just a hilarious bit i think this episode was more meant to be just funny a little bit i don't know i mean who knows it's just interesting because it's just yeah i mean i think this and the sully storyline like I don't know, considering that the overall theme of this episode is searching for this little girl, uh, I don't know. To me, it just feels a little bit higgledy-piggledy, but that's just me. That's not saying it's terrible, but yeah, I, I do like it. Um, oh, we'll get to that bit in a minute. Uh, we're, we're obviously still we're searching for the, um, the, the kid. We've got Davis in the alley just going off, treading in that bag. It's like, oh my God, what is that? What is that? Like, rotten mooshu. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I love just their, their uh, him and Sully talking. And what does he say? Like, I can't pitch you in a choir. Then don't. And it's like, well, why Why did you uh, stop going to church? They changed the communion wine. Just keep searching. <laughs> I love that he was like, do you have a rope for every day? I just yeah. love that comment right there. 
<laughs> well, we're all picturing it. We're all thinking of him in the choir. So, you know, that's, that's a valid point. Uh, back to the, the burning house. Obviously, this is like burning all the weed. So all this smoke is basically getting everybody stoned. What does Jimmy say? Like, oh, having a block party here. And then basically, Kenny's like, do you have to put this out? And then Jimmy's kind of like, oh, well, the city kind of frowns upon us not doing this sort of stuff. Uh, and then Kenny obviously leaves. He's like, can I go? And like, no schools. Um, I just, I love what this leads into with Stoned Jimmy, um, when we kind of, just jumping ahead a, a few little scenes here when, you know, Jimmy's back to the ring and he's, what does he say, like, oh, I just can't wait to go back to the thing and just lay down on the bunk, you know, and then they get another call. Just look at Jimmy's face, he is so stoned. <laughs> like, why is he allowed to continue that day with, like, let's be honest, he is stoned off his tits. <laughs> No, I uh, kind of didn't really recognize his face. I think I was at that point. I was just watching. I, I was a little bit tired, but I'm gonna have to look at that scene again and just check out his face, just because you pointed that out. Well, it's it's kind of like I mean, as I said, Jimmy's just non-existent in this um, episode. But uh, the what there were like because he has that scene about how like oh we didn't get much sleep last night because uh, Brooke and I went to Atlantic City last night oh we didn't really get much sleep now I just looked it up uh, it's a two hour and eighteen minute drive from New York City to Atlantic City uh, I didn't know that until now so there you go I was thinking like could he really make that distance in overnight but clearly he could um, so yeah I I just find it like Jimmy's just this is maybe one of the most wasted pointless Jimmy episodes of all time. Kind of like Ohio a few episodes ago. It's like, really? They need the firefighters there at the Hillary Rudolph Giuliani debate? So, uh, we just get stoned Jimmy, basically, uh, complaining about how they're having so many calls that day. So that, that, that sums up Jimmy's storyline, basically. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add on that. I mean, that's Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just Jimmy, like you said. <laughs> it's just Jimmy. Uh, Carlos, uh, sorry, not oh, No, we do have Carlos and Doc here. Apologies. Um, this is where we get real Dick Carlos scene of she got pregnant, not mine fault. And I love Doc's name, uh, Doc's line here. You know they've got a they've got a name for people like you, Dad. <laughs> oh, it's just so cleverly done. But yeah, this is Dick Carlos. You know, just not giving a shit. And uh, this is really where we see that side of Carlos where he is a real asshole at times. Very uh, self-centered. I mean, but I mean. That's what makes him such a great character, though. I mean, that's why I love him so much. Because you do see it's like, selfish. I think we... I honestly, I wish I was that bold to be as selfish as him sometimes in certain scenarios. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love him so much. Because I just wish I would be like... I wish I could be like Carlos today. <laughs> and just, like, not give a fuck about anybody or anything. But I think that... I mean, the difference between him and, and Bosco is that, like... I think Bosco's dickness comes from the job. It's not him. Yeah. Whereas Carlos's, it's the opposite. It's him and his compassion comes from the job. So um, I think that's kind of the interesting counterbalance between Bosco and Carlos, who have a lot of similarities in their personalities. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting how that that obviously comes into it. Um, Davis and Sully driving around. They're asking um, about uh, whoever it might have been to steal the, uh, the chalice. Uh, have we had the scene where he, he's been stabbed yet? Or oh, that's coming up, isn't it? It is coming up. It is coming up. Sorry, I thought I might have missed that. Because we get the scene when he's in the, the, the that waitress who's, like, flirting with Sally. And Davis is like, oh, she was all over you. And it's like, look, she flirts with everyone. Um, and they're basically... Oh, they're asking for the little girl at this point. They've not actually got nothing to do with the chalice, are they? Um, and because basically Davis has that line where he says, oh, it's a good day to rob a bank. All the cops are out. Um, and then we get this scene with uh, Bosco and Yokus who basically go into this abandoned building um, just to see if they, they hear a little girl sound but it's a cat locked in a freezer <laughs> can I just say uh, first of all I love the line that Yokus says it's like would a little girl want to come in here I don't want to come in here and I've got a gun um, I love <laughs> but can I, can I just say that poor cat like the way they're just like oh it's just a cat how did that cat get locked in that freezer and are they just going to leave the poor thing there? Like, rescue the damn cat. I, why did I envision, like, Bosco just shutting it, the, the, the door again and just walking away? I don't know why. He's not heartless like that. But I, I saw that from where, like, oh, well, it's just a cat. Slams the door and just walks away. I feel so but, sorry for that cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that poor thing. Then they get the radio call saying, oh, there's an assault in progress. And what is like, is that Sully or that says, oh, it's in our sector? Isn't that all their sector? They're all in the 55th Precinct. That's all their sector. I don't know why he says, oh, that's our sector of the 55th Precinct. Anyway, so we this is the part where I thought I was missing, but we're not. Um, there's a guy who's been uh, basically bashed and stabbed with a bottle outside of a bar. Um, and we find out that it's uh, our dear old father friend, the priest guy uh, from before. Um, father Goodwin. And uh, some guy named Willie uh, stabbed him. <laughs> that barman just keeps saying, I don't know, some guy named Willie. So we now know that uh, we've got to find some guy, the same guy who stole the chalice before, who obviously Father Goodwin tried to reason with, because as we heard before, oh, he just borrowed it. So uh, we get this last little scene of them in the back of the uh, ambulance when Father Goodwin's basically like, please, John, you know, don't hurt him, don't hurt him. You know, he's sick, you know, promise me. And Sally's just basically like, we're almost there. We're almost there, Father. So, no, he didn't promise anything. Um, so, uh, oh, and we get a bit of a, a bit of a sassy Morales moment too, don't we? When they, they come to the hospital and, uh, Doc's kind of like, oh, I think they probably got his spleen. And Morales is like, oh, how do you know that? Oh, just an educated <laughs> guess. Oh, it's not very educated. It's like, Row. I Jesus. know. We've got some sassy people in this episode from sassy Kim to sassy Morales. I'm not going to touch that. No, <laughs> no. probably a good idea. Um, so we've gone over, we've gone over the Jimmy scene in between that, but then obviously we get back to Doc and Carlos, and um, what does Doc say? You are probably the most narcissistic person I've ever met, and Carlos. Wow, don't spare my feelings or anything. Um, <coughs> and then he's just basically like, "Well, you don't care," and Carlos is like, "No, I don't." And then I love Carlos's quip, like, "Get your own house in order." You know, I've had women who wanted to stab me who treated me better like that. And then what does Doc say? Like, oh, judging on today, that list is probably backed up all the way to Jersey by now. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, it's just, I mean, look, guys, point out, this scene is so well acted by Michael Beach and Anthony Rivivar. It's so well done. But you just, it's like, oh, we got so close to these two finally liking each other. But then we get the lines from Doc when he's just basically like, just when I think I can't like you even less. I do. It's like, I'm ashamed to know you. All that hurts. You, at that point, I agree with Doc. I mean, I get where Carlos is like, is it mine? But then to be heartless, like, I don't give a care. Like, I'm just focused on becoming a doctor. That's when I'm like, yeah, dude, you're just a dick. Like you said, he's just a dick at that point. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it, though, at the same time. Like, again, there's times I wish I could be as selfish like that. You know, like, not towards, like, my kid or anything, but certain people in life, it's just like, yeah, I'm be selfish today. Well, I, th- I like, think from Carlos's perspective, in terms of what this is all related to, of course, we're obviously getting this episode of him being thoroughly uh, committed to his study. You know, this is his life. This yeah. is what he needs to focus on. He's that, you know, passionate about coming a doctor, and the last thing he needs yeah. is the responsibility of being a father. And yeah. I'm, I'm not excusing him, you know, getting away his responsibility of that. But no, really, no. that's what's what. Yeah, coming across here with Carlos is like. And again, it's just, it's the delivery of Carlos, like, it's who he is, and that's who he is as a character. But, um, you know, we're meant to think that he's, we're we're seeing that through Doc's eyes, you know, for the most part, people watching this, I'm sure, have compassion in their bones. Um, So, you know, we're thinking like Doc at this point, like, you know, I'm ashamed to know you. And it's like, ouch! You've got to be selfish to go for certain things nowadays, too. I mean, I... I think we're taught that being selfish is a bad thing, and I, I don't think it is. I think there's a there's a line between it, but I've learned to actually be more self not as selfish as Carlos, but I get where he's coming from because there's certain things you have to be if you want something, go get it. Don't let nothing stop you because yeah. Yeah. So we get just a little scene here between Kim Kim at the hospital with Leah Michelle. I'm just gonna call her Leah Michelle. Uh, her name's Sammy, but whatever. Uh, just kind <laughs> of saying like we're gonna find your your daughter, and then uh, your daughter, your <laughs> your sister. She's a 14-year-old, Ben. She doesn't have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I mean, she'd be, what, like 11 when she had that baby? Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, she's finding her sister. And then Kim basically says to Bobby, we're going to be looking. We're going to help looking for this child in between calls. Um, And then Bobby's like, really? And it's like, well, what else are we going to do? Sit around and watch TV? We're helping. Um, Then we get this scene. Now, look... I got to say this whole Sully trying to find the chalice and find revenge against Father Goodwin. I mean, it's a, it's a intre- to me it's kind of like the explosion plotline. It's kind of like it's there. It's it's a good storyline. I got nothing against it. Just doesn't it feels out of place to me in this episode. Um, and 
considering we get no resolution to this storyline, the only real resolution we get to this storyline is we find out he stopped going to church because of Davis's dad getting shot and the fact that we get badass Sully, which we're about to get into this scene right now. So, I, I to me, again, it's just one of these things that sh- just, it, does, it shouldn't be in this episode. It just feels wasted, and particularly we get no, we get no um, resolution to it. But we get this... I, I do love this scene, though. Sully banging at the door of um, a porn shop and basically um, bashing this guy's head through the glass, demanding he knows where when, where Willie is because, you know, he knows he would have bought this chalice, which he did for 50 bucks. Uh, the whole great thing about this scene is that even, like, we're with Davis at this point. We're not expecting Sully to do this. As soon as, like, Sully smashes that guy's head against that glass, you're like, holy fuck, Sully! Like, Sully's the good one! Um, and this is, I think, what we've, we've talked about in the past before when we were talking about Bosco and what he does as a cop. And we've mentioned before that Sully has these moments where he does turn into a bit of Bosco. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's so well acted. Well done to Skip Sutter. And I just, it's so tense. And again, like, even though I've seen this a hundred times, it still shocks me to see yeah. Sully just out of the blue, just walk in, bang, head against the glass, like basically saying he's going to beat the shit out of this guy. Uh, and you just, the reaction on Davis's face, like, Davis doesn't know what to do at this point. I love it. I mean, it shocks me every time. I just like how Davis is like, I want to say, he does, even Davis is like, holy shit. Like, he's going to say anything. He's just, he wants to be like, that's enough. But he's like, I'm not even going to touch that. But I love it when, like, Sully holds up his fist, like, I'm about to punch you. I don't know why I laughed at that. But it was awesome to see. Oh, it's great. We we get a brief little scene before we get back to Sully of just Bosco and Yokus uh, getting another sector ticked off, and they're going to keep looking. Meanwhile, we're back to um, Sully. They're in a what is it, a like homeless shelter? He just walks in and says like Willie Townsend. The guy's like who? And he's like, you don't want to mess with me today. And then obviously like Davis has to step in. It's like oh, you know, you know, is there a guy here? So we find out that Willie Townsend eating there is eating his dinner or whatever it is. And uh, he gets up and they have this chase through uh, the church and uh, all these buildings. It's a great chase sequence, great music. Uh, they run outside and basically they've lost Willie Townsend. And I just love the delivery here that Skip Sardoth gives for Sully of, Son of a bitch! Just like how angrily he says it. Like, God, you you just feel he is furious. Yes, you do. I mean, I love it. I mean, again, what I want to say is I wish this was actually like an episode in itself. Yeah. Because I would love to see like, how bad, not how bad it can get, but just, because it was really built up. They did a good job of, like, building the tension and everything, yeah, but the and it kind of just went complete. Like, there was no resolution. And with something as powerful as this, like, seeing Sully go bad, like, go rogue, in a way, for the first time, you kind of want to see that resolution, and you want to see it kind of become a, a bigger plot. Maybe, in a diff- like you said, maybe it wasn't meant to be in this episode. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree with you. And that's why, yeah, just this episode just feels out of place to me. Um, so we get, uh, this scene between Bobby and Kim just kind of talking. We get Bobby obviously mentioning, uh, he says, I don't always agree with what the cops do, but you know, when it comes to if I had kids and I, I'd want them looking for it. And we get this like interesting little thing with Kim sort of obviously talking about her having this recurring nightmare of Joey getting lost in a mall and then finding a bunch of people surrounding something which she can't see. Um, and basically... Yeah, just her getting, her as a mother thinking about how bad it would be to lose a child in this sort of situation. So they're just, you know, on the on the hunt for young Molly. Uh, and then we also get a scene here between Bosco and Yokus. Um, I do love the line there when Bosco says, I've been thinking. And then Yokus says, well, that's a first. I know. Um, and basically Bosco wants kids. Bosco wants to settle down. And uh, Yokus is like, oh, is that with Nicole? He's like, oh, maybe. Um, and then I loved it when... Uh, Bosco is essentially saying like, "Oh, it's going to be my mum's fiftieth soon. I might take her to like, you know, meet my mum and go to my mum's fiftieth party with me." And Yoka says like, "If she survives that group, you marry her." Um, and then obviously Yoka is like, "Oh, I was really hoping we'd be the ones to find the little girl." And, and Bosco says, "Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting." I said uh, last episode with um, with Doc how he's all like, "Oh, I just want half of what my dad has," and I was like, oh, "You're not really going to get that." Um, it's kind of like with Bosco; he wants to settle down and have kids. Uh, you're not really going to get that, uh, <laughs> at least from what we don't see anyway. Oh man! <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I don't mean it's, it's not too much of a spoilery spoilery. No, I mean, no, I'm just. But it's just you know, it's one of these things where you're like, you know, you want them to have happiness, you want them to have that ultimate happy ending. But at least from what we see in the show 
and how it ends, we don't sadly get that. So, <laughs> you know, not to say he does it at some point, but, I mean, you've got to think about it. Third Watch is over six years. So right now, in the very first year of Third Watch, he wants to settle down and have kids. At least we know for the next six years he will not settle down and have kids. Yeah, but... Spoiler alert, but come on. Yeah, no, I don't know what she... <laughs> Poor Bosco. Okay, yeah. Anyway, we, we'd like to think in real life. Anyway, whatever. Um, but we, <laughs> we get another little random bit here between um, Sully and 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 then Davis. Uh, he's going around basically looking at homeless people, and Davis is like, what's this going to achieve if you give him a beating? It's not going to prove anything. And we kind of get, um, you know, Sully basically saying, look, it's just so he doesn't hurt anyone, you know. Father Goodwin was nothing but a nice man who did anything to help him, and you've got an idiot here like Willie who just goes and hurts him. So you can see Sully's angry and just wants to kind of do this. But again, as we've talked about, it feels a bit tacked on to me. Uh, then we get Doc uh, Morales, because in all this drama, have we not forgotten that Morales hates Doc at this moment because <laughs> she got a bit sooky that she didn't want to move in? Um, but then um, Doc basically explains, like, look, you caught me off guard. I do want to live with you, just not in my parents' place. There's too many ghosts there. Um, look, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry if this is offensive. It's not really meant to try and be offensive if this sounds sexist. But Morales does the most typical girl thing here at anything. She sulks to get away, and then she basically gets away at the end of it. Uh, I mean, like, let's be honest. She did really lump that on Doc at the worst possible time. His dad did just die. And she's basically like, oh, maybe we could leave here. Oh, boo-hoo, and runs away and sulks, and then eventually gets away at the end of it. So... You know, as a man, I'm just saying, from my perspective, women do that a lot. Um, and, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that point. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that guys do stuff like that. But in this scenario, I agree with you as well. Um, when she did spring on Doc, it was at the worst possible time. And then how she walked out, like, didn't say anything. She's like, forget it. She walks out like, she, like he's in the wrong. I was like, are you kidding me? He's not even in the wrong, but the way she just left that, I was like, that's awkward. Like, and the way she treated him at that point where it's like pretty uneducated. Like he's not case. in the wrong. Like, he, right now he's grieving, so bring it up at a later time. Like, it doesn't mean you say no. It's just you don't. I think because I've had guys do stuff like that too. I just, I mean, in your spirit, yeah, females, but for me, guys. And I think, look, I, 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 I yeah, guys do it too. I, I may have I, done it before. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I agree. I mean, it was the wrong time. I think Morales was in the wrong at this point because you don't yeah. come on. The way she walked out, like Doc was in the wrong. When he's his his father's the one that passed away, bro. Like you don't, yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> um. So at this point, we're back to Bosco and Yokus, and they're hanging around a school dance. Uh, what are they here to kind of see with the drugs? If the kid shot with the drugs that they were there. Um, but then, oh, what do we see? Oh, he's our favorite, Kenny Willarnett. He's back outside the school selling drugs. Um, I love the line there. It's like, what do you see there? Two kids necking. No, past them. Um, they first of all get the kid who's buying the drugs, put him in the car, and then they essentially grab Kenny, take him to an alley. This is Yokus who does this. Takes him to an alley, kicks him out of his wheelchair, and then puts the wheelchair at the end of the alley, and he's basically like, oh, I don't want to see you again. Go to the Port Authority. You know, get out of town. Um, and he, she even says to him, you know what I'm going to do here, don't you? And she's like, yes. Now, look, can I, can I just point this out? Is that really the right thing to do? This is a guy who has obviously been in jail for selling drugs. Now, all they have done here is be a dick to disabled people and remove his wheelchair and basically like, fuck you, you have to crawl yourself to this wheelchair. Now, I'm sorry, that is bad policing. This guy has literally just been caught selling drugs to, what, like 12-year-olds outside of a school dance. And all they're going to do is be a dick to him and make him crawl to his wheelchair. He needs to go back to jail here, Yokus. This is bad, bad, bad policing. I get your point. I get your point because I thought the same. But then I also thought, Ray, probably you are going to get fed up with it because you'll probably just get out. Depending on how much he had in his pocket, I mean... I don't know. I mean, she's probably done this before. They know of him, so he's probably, like, in and out with this. And she was just fed up. I would have done what Yokus did. Kick him out of his wheelchair. Does that stop him? All it's going to take is him to crawl to his wheelchair. He's just going to go and get where he got drugs from before because that's twice now that they've got him with drugs in his pocket. So what's stopping him from doing it? And what happens if the next day he's outside of school, he sells a dodgy Eki tablet to a kid and they die? Is that on Yokus? Yokus or... I think it's just, I don't know. I mean, you have good points, and 
I think it's terrible political. I, I, look, I'm not taking away from the scene. The scene is funny because, like, I mean, it's not meant to be funny. Like, haha, laugh at the guy in a wheelchair. He can't get his chair. But like, it's 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 a sassy way of doing it. I don't want to take away saying it's a terrible scene. It's shit. It's whatever. <laughs> but like, I just like this is just me being incredibly nitpicky. But that is just terrible policing. I was just thinking, like, she probably thought he was gonna get out again, and I mean, because there's always gonna be people like that in the streets. That I know people like that who get out and they do the same crap. Yeah, over and over, no matter how many I have, I know people who are locked up for like five years, get out, they're out for like nine months, do the same stupid crap, get caught, go back in for another three years, get out, and do. The, and so I think it was just maybe one of those episodes where she was just like fed up, get out of my city. You know, yeah. that's the only thing I can look at it. True, but yeah. Anyway, that's Will Arnett. He's been in third watch. Uh, then we kind of get the scene where we're going to find Molly because uh, we see Sully and Davis driving around, and uh, we see Davis with a big shiny flashlight finds Molly. I do love Sully when he gets out of the car. Is it Willie? Then like it's like Molly, and then he kind of got a bit of a disappointing look on his face. Um, <laughs> finds Molly. Here she is. She's been wandering around for however God knows long. She's in the park. My biggest question is, what the fuck was she been doing all day? And how the hell has this little two-and-a-half-year-old girl just been wandering around New York City and no one has noticed her? I was thinking the same thing. I mean, that is some scary crap. I mean, I'm not... Because, I mean, we, find, we see stories like this on the news all the time, but so it's, cause we, it's because someone found them wandering around. This scenario is like, she's been gone all day in that cold. I mean, no, no injuries. She's fine. How... I don't know how that's possible. I mean, I guess... That's the whole God thing that D- David brings up at the end. I don't know, but yeah, um, we get a bit. Sally looks like he's crying there a little bit too, which is kind of sweet. Then we kind of get back to Kim and Bobby. Uh, we get a bit of sassy Bobby here, where like him still going on about Joey, and Bobby basically snaps at her. Nothing's going to happen to Joey. Um, and then she's basically saying, "Look, I don't think this ever goes away. You know, like this this constant, you know, uh, need to know that your children are okay." Oh, um, and then. <laughs> And then, obviously, we see all the cop cars driving towards them with their lights on, and basically, oh, maybe they found the kid. And then we get this scene of um, everybody clapping and cheering as they walk out of the back of the ambulance with the little girl and hands it back to Leah Michelle, to whom promptly Leah Michelle thanks Kim and Bobby, who really did nothing except check to make sure the daughter was okay. Go and thank Davis, Leah yeah. Michelle, like you little idiot. <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> that mean. I kind of liked you in Glee when everybody didn't like you, but no, I point, really, thank well, the wrong person. Oh, man. I'm, I'm actually glad you held back. I thought you were like, you little bitch. I was like, oh, damn, okay, Ben. You're a 14-year-old bitch. Trouble enough on this show as it is, Brandy. Come on. Um, and then we get uh, Sully and, and Davis with, um, yeah, this little scene of religion. Uh, <laughs> I think it was just growing up in there like you said it was like a random way to end it you know and i agree with the davis scenario i was kind of pissed i was like where's his credit at he's the one that found the kid i mean i get why kim was important because you know she's she's that mother really figured to the you know she was kind of mothering that little girl you know the girl whatever and she was like trying to be a part like help out with that but yeah, yeah. But i would say end, yeah. yeah sorry you go no go for it no, no, well, I was just simply going to close it out by saying that, yeah, we get this kind of bit where um, Davis and Sally, you know, this conversation about, oh, we'll find Willie tomorrow, which we never find out if they do or not. Um, and kind of we find out, yeah, that Sally stopped going to church because it was the day that Davis's dad got shot. How could he believe in a god? And, uh, you know, Davis's like, oh, well, they found a little girl. Maybe there is a god. Um, and we just get this, look. I love the music. Can I just point out? I love the music. We just get the most cheesiest ending um, of Sully looking up at the sky like, oh, maybe there is a God. And then it kind of goes away like, you know, I'm not going to be a fan of this. It's just, it's... it's It uh, was cheesy. I feel like it was like one of the weakest endings they had. I feel like they... You don't like, need this. You don't... You, like, why? Like, third watch, you don't need to... I mean, I realise this was, like, 99, 2000. Again, we're in a different television landscape. It's America. No offence to... I'm not trying to be mean to Americans here, but, you know, you're a very religious country. So, like, you know, I, I get kind of that point of why they do it, but it just it just feels... I don't like to think the third watch is a dated show sometimes. This feels very dated and cheesy to me. You wouldn't do this in a TV show today, I feel. Not to this extent. No, I mean, I hear you. I uh, I didn't care for the ending. I mean, even Davis's dad, like, as strong as a plot that is, I feel like it was the wrong time. I mean, it had nothing to do with that. Like, 
why I went to church was the day your dad got killed. I don't, I don't know. Just, I mean, they meant for it to be powerful, but kind of wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, yeah, do not like the ending of this episode at all. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that is the end of this one. We uh, reached the end of our nineteenth episode. Uh, spring forward, fall back. Brandy, what are we going to do with this one? Are we buying it, are we renting it, or are we bidding it? I think I'm going to shock you, Ben. I'm, uh, I'm going to buy it. You're going to buy it? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Any particular reason why? I just love the little funny uh, kiblets, right? I mean, not kiblets, but the little funny uh, comments they make. It's just, I don't know, it's just, I find it funny. I mean, okay. with and the whole... Solly's robes and his crier and like David's just messing with him. Just random funny little comments being made. Well, you've broken your streak. You've bro- broken your three renters in a row. You bought it. I'm going to break my streak. I'm renting this one. I'm not buying it. And it's a low rent. This is actually quite... This is low rent too. This is nearly down near the Binnett category. And this, it's not to take away from this. Like There are some great bits in this episode. Um, you know, I love Sully Badass. I love the fun Bosco and Yokus moments. You know, even the fun Davis and Sully moments that we get. But I just can't overlook the fact that you kind of got two storylines that are just tacked on for no reason. You kind of have, uh, you know, random stone Jimmy that just don't know what to do with him in this episode. And then you just kind of get completely cheesy over-the-top ending. So, I mean, look, it's, it's not so bad for me in that aspect that it's a it's a bin but it's a very low rent for me so uh we've both broken our streaks here brand good job i think i i corrupted you i'm sorry I'm well kidding. you know you're not the first girl to do that so um hey so probably not the last either so hey uh, <laughs> don't put me in that category i'm kidding no no, well, you're definitely not in some of that. But anyway, uh, this has been uh, so our next episode that we are getting into. Uh, it's entitled A Thousand Points of Light. Um, we get a bit more Jimmy next episode, which is good. Um, we get a little bit more of Malcolm. Malcolm's back. Yay, Malcolm's back. Uh, and we get a little bit more of Carlos and Vanjie and Doc and Morales house hunting because we've always wanted that. Uh, anything to say on A Thousand Points of Light before we close this one out? I honestly don't remember much of it, so I'm excited to see it. And the, the listeners will be as surprised as I am as we talk about it next week. So We will. We will get into that. Of course, you can subscribe to us to get these episodes direct to your devices, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Whilst you're subscribing, remember to rate us and leave us some feedback as well. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can get onto YouTube where everybody... Where everywhere. I was going to say where everybody. Apparently, we're everybody now, but... um. Always appreciate the feedback, of course. If you wish to, any comments that you want us to talk about on air as well, feel free to uh, shoot them into us and we will talk about them on air. In the meantime, my name is Ben and I've also had women who've wanted to stab me try treat me better than that. And my name is Brandy. What is that on your neck? Is that a hickey? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.